Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by Draper Goran Holm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Yo, yo, Blockchain and Booze Nation, session 62 of Blockchain and Booze. Uh, I used to say 62 weeks deep into quarantine, but I feel like things are opening up now. So welcome, welcome to session 62. I'm so excited for our, our show today. Uh, we're doing an end-to-end Solana deep dive. Solana has been roaming uh, crypto Twitter for what feels like ages now, and it kind of felt rude not to do this already, especially with DeFi summer coming up. So uh, I'm going to stop talking and bring out our guest. And by the way, we were supposed to have two guests tonight, but Sam had to cancel last minute. But without further ado, uh, let me bring on Anatoly Yokovenko of Solana. What is going hey. on, Anatoly? Welcome. Thank you for having me. This of is course. Dope. Dude, this wouldn't be a proper Solana deep dive if we didn't have the pit vipers. Get him yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love these things because they're awesome cycling glasses. <laughs> and they look like they're from the future. And you know, we're, we're I, building the future. So might as well start wearing the sunglasses now. Dude, I think this is the most epic meme. Actually, how did this come about? Where where did these I have no clue to be honest. Um people just started wearing them like when this kind of laser eye thing started happening. Uh a little after laser eyes. So, so this was like I think the laser eyes are starting to get old and st- people started putting these on like their avatars on Twitter and these are like awesome cycling glasses. If you're a cyclist, they're big and wide and polarized and like fairly cheap. So you can get a bunch of them. Um, so I've been aware of them like before that. And I was like, shit, people are wearing pit wipers. I'm, I'm in, I'm down. <laughs> Dude, that's so epic. I swear. I got so excited when I, we were, when I, when I booked you and, and Sam to come on, fortunately we'll reschedule with Sam, but I literally went on Amazon and I bought a pair. I was like, it won't be proper. Uh, I'm not going to make yeah. you wear them the entire interview. So let's just, <laughs> let's take him up. We'll, we'll I, bring I, him up. I wear them all day. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Also, what are, you, what are you drinking? Cheers. All right. This is Sailor Jerry rum mixed with uh, Martinelli sparking apple cider because <laughs> this is what I have in hand at home. <laughs> on, your, on your promo graphic, I think I put sunshine cocktail because when I was doing research, I guess Solana means sunshine in some other languages, right? So yeah. I was like, "What? What cocktails start with sunshine or Solana or something?" And that was that was the thing I got. But I'll let it loose. Congrats, welcome. Uh, I'm very Thank excited you. to have you on. Uh, so let's let's quickly just dive in. Uh, let give me a quick brief about yourself, who you are. More importantly, how long have you been in crypto? Because I know you've been yeah. in this space for some time, and we'll we'll start there. Yeah, I'm an engineer by trade, spent most of my career at this company called Qualcomm. If you have like a cell phone, one of these things, there's something in there built by Qualcomm. And if it's running software, I probably worked on that somewhere, somewhere in that stack of that software layer. And um, I was uh, like there from 2003, back when we had these flip phones, you know, like 16-bit little dinky devices. Um, When I left, my team was... um, building an augmented reality device like 
<laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like, and that was like about 12 years. Um, and at that time, right, like crypto started happening. Bitcoin was happening. I remember the Ethereum IEO, but I was really on the sidelines until 2017 when um, a friend of mine and I started this little side thing that uh, called TensorCloud. We wanted to build deep learning hardware, but mine crypto to offset the cost of the hardware. And this is when I started like, okay, why do we have proof of work? What's the point of this mining? Is it all a giant Ponzi scheme? <laughs> like, I got really into the depth of understanding why proof of work is necessary. And this is what inspired the idea for proof of history. Um, literally had two coffees and a beer at Cafe Soleil in San Francisco. <laughs> and I was up till four in the morning and I had this eureka moment that there's a way to encode passage of time, another physical property, not energy, as a data structure and do it in an energy efficient way relative to Bitcoin. And because you have a source of time, right, some trustless source of time, you can then build the same kind of optimizations that wireless radio protocols use to scale cellular networks to a large number of users. So if you get, if you, anybody remembers their physics class, their physics classes, this might be hard with booze, but <laughs> radio towers, right, transmit at the same time or the same frequency. And by radio towers, I mean even cell phones, you get noise because those electromagnetic waves interfere in the air. So the thing that people started doing is they gave each one of these towers a clock that was ridiculously well synchronized and it would alternate by time. And that mechanism is called time division multiple access because it reduces collisions in the air. And um, blockchains have the same problem. If two Ethereum block producers or Bitcoin block producers produce a block at the same time, you get a fork. And that's a noisy state of the network. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. They have to resolve it on the next block. And if you can eliminate those forks, you can then make a really fast blockchain. And that, that's kind of the principle of it is like, once we knew that I had a source of time that was trustless, that couldn't be like monkeyed with by any central authority, um, it just really like was the, you know, the sledgehammer to my brain. It's like, holy shit, blockchain can be as fast as, as like traditional s systems, right? It can run as fast as any, as any centralized service. Let's go, let's go build it. So there's there's a lot to unpack over there. And I'm going to act like I knew everything you just said, but I, I really don't. And I think proof of history is something that's quite unique to the Solana ecosystem uh, that I've personally never seen. And correct me if I'm wrong, no one else is, is doing a proof of, of, of yeah, uh, history weird, kind of thing, weird. right? I, it's so obvious to me, but like no one else <laughs> has like ripped us off yet. So, <laughs> but, but. Like explain that even sim even more uh, simpler, okay? Because it's yeah. a, it's a lot to unpack. We try to talk at the same time. Yeah, nobody can understand what the hell is going on, right? So we implicitly take turns when we have a conversation, right? And right. if we if we had like a thousand people in this room, it'd be really hard to coordinate right. who's taking turns, right? Like and and Tendermint solves this by having all of us agree that you get to speak. And when you're done, we switch to the next person, which is me. But the way that cellular networks do it is there's like a button, like a dealer button that moves every X amount of seconds to the next person. And they're the only ones that can talk. And if they don't finish their sentence, the button moves. It never stops. The button doesn't care. 
right? Because it, the button is like operating by time. So mm, that's okay. kind of like, no matter how big you make this room, the button doesn't care because it's always just moving at the same speed. And with Tendermint and these other proof of stake networks, the bigger the room, the more people need to coordinate on, did Adam finish talking? Should we all move on to Anatoly? Or do we wait for Adam to finish? And that coordination process is really expensive. Okay, got you. So I, I want to I start because we'll, we'll get more into proof of history later down the line uh, in the interview. But I want to start with the why, okay? Because uh, there, there are a ton of networks claiming to be better, uh, harder, faster, stronger, okay? But as you know, features and perks don't always cut it. There needs to be more. There needs to be that why factor uh, that will kind of rally millions of people to fight for Solana. Uh, and align with, I guess it's underlying purpose. Okay. Uh, what is yours? Like why, why should people care? Um, so the mission that we have, like I kind of thought that the cool thing about these systems that's really different from databases is a censorship resistant component. And you can argue potentially that store of value is really tied to proof of work. And if you eliminate proof of work, then what you, the only thing you really have is censorship resistant and censorship resistance is this idea that when I want to send information through that, there's nobody that can really block me or interrupt me. And it's a really powerful concept for financial markets because like, imagine like how New York stock, New York stock exchange operates. There's some building in Manhattan. It has boxes of these old, like old school IBM mainframes they literally have hot swappable CPUs. If one, you know, a dozen CPUs, a dozen processors, they all do the same thing. If one of them fails, they can replace them without interrupting the markets because it's so important that this thing keeps running. That's like the fault tolerance piece of blockchain, right? That's Ethereum never stopping, that's Solana never stopping and keep running. But the other really critical piece here is that if I want to participate in this market, they will put my computer next to their thing that's running the market and give me a cable that's exact same length as everyone else's to guarantee that I have the exact same kind of information access as everyone else. This idea that nobody can get ahead of you, nobody can like outrun your orders, nobody has more information access than you, and everybody has fair access to this thing. It's a really cool, critical piece to building finance because everything in, in like borrow and lending and risk management and like all this stuff, it all boils down to a price in an order book that somebody is constantly updating. And if that piece is fair, then you can build all those financial applications on top of it. Um, so I really literally in those like seed level slide deck when it was just me and like a white paper, it said Solana is blockchain and NASDAQ speed. Like we want to build that box that's in Manhattan, but globally distributed open to everybody as fast as the one at, at New York Stock Exchange. And critically, it can be competitive with New York, the New York Stock Exchange because, because of our design. Um, you can think of like, you know, imagine there's a bunch of validators around the world, right, that already exist, that are these boxes. Something important happens, let's say, in Hong Kong or Russia, that news travels at speed of light through fiber. That's mm -hmm. as fast as it can go, right? That's the speed of the internet. Like it can't go any faster than that. Mm -hmm. the, the state transition, the transaction for that market in Solana, 
for example, in a serum market, is going to propagate through those validators and speed of light through fiber. So by the time a trader looks at that news wire in their terminal, they look at a price at the New York Stock Exchange or pl- price at Solana on Serum, right? They see that price already reflected. So we're not there yet. Right now, our block times are 400 milliseconds. To get there, we need blood, sweat, and tears to get them down to 100 milliseconds. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of work. Um, but in theory, like nothing is really impossible about that, like uh, us being competitive at the core function of what this thing is markets are supposed to do, which is translating news into a price. Like we can be competitive with New York Stock Exchange, with Chicago Mercantile Exchange, London Exchange, but globally, global scale, like open to everybody. Just you have your cryptography, go and use it. And that's mm-hmm. um, a powerful idea or at least big enough for me to like go try. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't have to build everything. I think building that, I think is big enough. Um so actually, how, how do you how do you get yeah. it down to a thousand milliseconds? What what what? A hundred milliseconds. A hundred milliseconds. How do you how do you um, reach that point? Yeah. So um, there's about a, all the low hanging fruit we kind of have done already, but basically, like you have a bunch of hard problems, but engineering problems, not computer science problems. You have in bits, right? Like data that's streamed into a network card. How fast can you pull it up from the network card to the GPUs that do signature verification to the CPUs that examine those packets and fetch state? How fast can you fetch the state, like the literal markets, then figure out what program is supposed to execute and then how fast can you execute it? And if this was like Qualcomm and I had 10,000 engineers, we would be thinking, okay, let's let's build an ASIC board that just does this <laughs> as fast as it can. And it can get that thing down to sub one millisecond, that, that whole operation. And then the rest is just speed of light. Um, so because, you know, everything is, is, is like baby steps, where we're at is still using commodity hardware off the shelf. And that's also getting faster just without us doing anything. We went from needing four GPUs to get to a million signatures per second. Now a modern day single GPU can do 7 million. And that was just a span of three years. So wow. hardware kind of like, if, if, if we just kind of keep optimizing for what NVIDIA and Intel does, we'll get there. Um, if we find a path where we can outpace them, that's even better. But um, it's just a matter of like old school, you know, data structures, stuff that you learn in college. How do I minimize how, you know, the speed that any of these software operations take. Um, it's stuff that normal humans can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so let me ask you, actually, when when did FTX and, and Sam come into the picture? What what stage were you at when you guys uh, started vocalizing more of this relationship and these partnerships? Uh, we briefly talked. We had some common investors um, out of, like, some folks out of, like, 500 startups, like, that are, like, really awesome at, identifying founders and um they had connected us before we talked to their team and like we pitched them hey this thing is really fast but it's going to be done in like six to nine months <laughs> <laughs> to go give a shit <laughs> <laughs> and uh six months later it was actually done and live and um i reconnected with sam and and uh, his team and i was like okay look Here's a demo. 
It's called break.solano.com. Smash your keys. And you can literally see that when you hit a key, a transaction is created from your browser and sent to the network. And when it turns green, it, it's confirmed from the browser. You can actually see this notification. And this was on mainnet, full smart contracts. These things are paying real fees. No bullshit. This live. Jesus. And they're like, holy shit, this works. Uh, can we build a central limit order book on top of it? <laughs> and uh, which nobody has done before, but this is something that uh, we were always thinking about. Like, how do we build this? The code, the runtime for smart contracts, the actual execution environment, like everything that we were building, we actually had a demo of a central limit order book style exchange. Not quite the same as what Serum built. Ours, ours was not as like ambitious. They they built like the whole thing totally trustless. The matching, all everything on chain, um, in about four weeks after that conversation. So that was um, they move. You know, Sam is like a very decisive person and has a big vision. And um, he's not an engineer, but he has a remarkable like way of shrinking timelines. Like everyone just got gets around his idea. Like, okay, we're gonna do this. And there were about eleven different teams all together that came that came together to build this. Um, so it wasn't just um, the, all we were doing was just unblocking them. Like our tooling was really raw. Yeah. This was like two months after we launched, so everything was really really difficult to use. <laughs> so they they did all the work, and we just like unblocked them as fast as we could. <laughs> if you go back at yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was I was gonna say it's super cool to see how that's kind of developed, and I, I feel like they gave a lot of the community traction, a lot of the awareness uh, that Solana has. Uh, but be- before we even get into that, I want to talk more about this consensus mechanism, proof of history, because again, it's very unique to you guys. It's not a consensus mechanism. It's, it's not. It's not. It's just a source of time. Okay. It's the arrow of time. Okay. So that's that was my misunderstanding yeah. then. Okay. So so I guess more more between the the relationship or I guess compare and contrast proof of history to what's more uh, a, a topic of dis- of discussion proof of stake. Can you can you dive a little bit more into that? Yeah. So proof of stake is the Sybil mechanism. It's what allows you to attach a specific uh, weight to a vote. Like when somebody votes in Byzantine fault tolerant consensus, you kind of measure what is the strength of that vote and you're trying to aggregate to two thirds of the network voting. So there's some some weight assigned to it and that comes from proof of stake. And usually that's implemented by taking the underlying coin that's used for fees and gas and locking it up for some amount of time such that it can't be used for any other use and then using that to vote. so that, that's proof of stake. And proof of work is not a consensus mechanism. Proof of work is a measurement of entropy and electricity that gives you weight, right? When you propose a block, you propose it with a specific weight. Um, so that that's kind of the, the subtle difference here is that proof of history is not a Sybil mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. It's not there to, uh, to, to, for me to differentiate that it's, Anatoly versus some bot pretending to be Anatoly that's voting. It's there to order everybody in the network to make sure that they all don't speak at the same time. Okay, got you. So are are there any less uh, obvious flaws that come to mind when, say, comparing proof of history to proof of stake? So we use proof of stake to vote uh, on top of, uh, like, as our consensus mechanism. 
um, the the really hard difference between proof of stake and proof of work, and this is a very subtle one, is um, proof of work has this interesting property that it's burning capital to create security. Like you have to go buy this electricity, you have to spend the money to go get it. It's real money, right? This is why it's called proof of work. And with proof of stake, how you acquire these tokens is kind of arbitrary, right? You didn't spend, you, you may have not spent any money to acquire them. You may have broken into somebody's system, right? And stolen their keys. So it doesn't have like any real weight to it. Mm -hmm. It's gotcha. based, proof of stake is more based on the physical security of the cryptographic keys that's associated with that stake. And the challenge here, and I think this is something that we've taken on head on, is that how do you maximize that number of individual parties that have their individually controlled cryptographic keys that have any stake associated with them? Because when a number like, let's say a proof of stake network, 100x is in price, does it get any more secure? doesn't it's the same people that hold the same keys still, still making those blocks right <laughs> the opportunity that you get if the network 100x is in price is you can increase that set like you can spend more on hardware you can mm -hmm. go get more of those people same thing with proof of work right if the coin 100x is unless somebody spends it to get electricity the network doesn't get any more secure um but it's really hard to do that from a consensus like implementation uh, to actually increase that number of people that are participating in consensus directly to a large set. Uh, and a lot of people kind of do a lot of um, cheat. They cheat. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like Ethereum 2 cheats by creating shards and committees of 200 nodes that all vote in a particular shard. So it's only that, so they only have to deal with Byzantine fault tolerant consensus involving 200 different signers for that block. Right, and during that shard, Algorand selects a random subcommittee of 200 again to deal with a small set of users that decide in this block because it's really hard to coordinate 200 different signers. But you kind of limit your security to 200. So the cool thing about proof of history is it allows us to scale that set of active participants to be effectively unbounded. Um, it gets slower with the log of the size of the network, but like what we have right now, the way the way that Solana is parameterized right now, it's not going to get any slower up to forty thousand. So we can <laughs> we can basically like think of it as unbounded single shard yeah. giant set of people that all decide this block is good. And to me, that's really really important because if we like you know imagine these networks actually handling a hundred billion dollars of real volume per day or a trillion trillion right like a trillion in payments volume yeah, some up sure like is a bank is like the chief security officer of bank of america going to trust 200 randoms right like it's going to be a hard sell for us to convince him to trust ten thousand, right i think <laughs> crypto I like, crypto right. in general is a hard sell for them but, now get, get into the details right but at some point, right, if I, if we can look at this network and you're like, okay, you literally need to have 10,000 independent different people to all collude to mess up the order of the system to break the markets, that's such a large number, then you're like, okay, I can trust this, right? <laughs> and this yeah. is like, this is why 
we've designed the system for this purpose. This is why like the use case we're most worried about is this like markets. Like we really want to displace New York Stock Exchange, CME, like truly global price discovery, like I think is a really cool thing um, because I think it goes beyond just like trading stocks. Stuff with NFTs, as you've seen, is price discovery for art, right? Like it, it kind of becomes much more personal quickly. Like I... Like I remember playing Ultima online, getting a banker's check, like going on the weekend to the bank as a teenager, sad, <laughs> sad picture of this, to send somebody a posted mail to buy digital gold in, in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the most iconic story. <laughs> that's so funny. All right, so m moving forward, okay, uh, I, I, I want to talk about the community because this right here is like my my one of my personal favorite memes. I think like this is something that I can wear physically out and represent, right? right. You have you have the ETH t-shirts, you have the unicorns, you have all these different icons, but this this is different, okay? <laughs> and this caught my attention the second I saw all these different memes wearing it. But I wanna I wanna jump into the community and actually pull up some really cool data coming from Lunar Crush. Uh, and, and full disclosure, Lunar Crush is a, a portfolio of Draper Gornholm. But something I want to point out that caught my attention is, so quick, quick brief for those who don't know who Lunar Crush, they basically scan the internet for conversations happening around certain tickers, uh, analyze their sentiment, and present really interesting data around the conversations communities are, ha are having, okay? And then they present beautiful charts as to how it pertains to uh, price data in correlation to social volume, social engagement, et cetera, et cetera. And if you look specifically at social engagement, uh, it, it's absolutely off the charts, right? Especially during May. What the hell happened during May? What are you guys doing internally that kind of like drives the community and the excitement? Like what was going on? Um, so we started doing these hackathons um, like actually six months ago. And the first one we had a thousand registrations. And this was like a little bit after Serum launched like a month or two after we were like, let's do a hackathon um, because we got, we were able to get one customer to, to build something useful. We we're like, shit, it works. Let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, we had a thousand registrations and about 50 teams actually like built something useful. Um, the second hackathon we launched uh, that was like start of this year, January, and there were 3,000 registrations. And that was really cool. And we saw about 100 teams that launched something useful. And I think 11 of them raised over a million dollars in seed funding, which blew mm -hmm. my mind. So in May, we launched Hackathon 3, like Solana season. And I think this is where kind of the culmination of the, um, the people launching their products and onboarding users that's the real like traction right like yeah. a team that like builds a product that's hungry to get users to grow they go out there and like build their platform their community and go get users that's what really creates an ecosystem and that's something that no centralized company can compete with you know th this is something that i like learned painfully at qualcomm i was working on every proprietary operating system you can imagine, QNX, like the stuff that were like BlackBerry, while the nerds that I loved working on Linux were doing this over the weekend for free. 
and it was a joke at first and then they were like oh shit it's like it's kind of cool like this free unix platform can run on arm and all of a sudden it's a de facto operating system on mobile like mm-hmm. everything runs on linux mm-hmm. and that's because a community that's really driven to build stuff and like sees that like use of something right like it, it's really hard to compete with it it's, a, it's ethereum's biggest strength like uh, it, it's undeniably like what everyone should be thinking about when they're building an ecosystem is like how do i get developers that are effectively like eating glass they don't care about money they're working on the weekend to build something cool that they believe in it's kind of an in the most invaluable resource in the yeah. world sure um, yeah. And, so, and let me yeah. let me let me play devil's That's advocate for a moment. Okay, go let ahead. Let me play devil's advocate because I feel like a lot of the reason why people join crypto and I'll take this off for the for the meantime. A lot of because uh, <laughs> I see all these different colors and it's confusing. It's like <laughs> making me go crazy. <laughs> <In the> future, <laughs> um, I you see like the main a lot of the reasons like why I joined crypto in the beginning is sure there I saw like the the monetary reward and the incentive to make a really really good amount of money being so early on, but it's also one of those things where it's super like unregulated territory. You don't know what's going to happen and you kind of have to be motivated by something bigger than just money. Right. And I could argue that's the same thing for Ethereum. I could argue that the, the maxis of Tezos would say that the maxis of Algorand, et cetera, et cetera. But what's that like unique thing about the Solana community that you've seen kind of differentiate yourselves from the rest? Um, we like always were like builders, um, even from like the validator set, like the people running the nodes, they're the ones that would like go through their yellow pages, like a book and find a data center nearby. Cause these data centers are like half of them don't have websites. They're literally like old school, like your old school phone provider is a data center. That's what a data center is. It's like some office somewhere. <laughs> they'll call them like, hey, can I put a box in? And they'll be like, sure, like come by. <laughs> so so these are like the folks that are like willing to roll up their sleeves and do this and like build a system from scratch, optimize it. Um, and that kind of builder mentality, I think was really part of the, the birth of it. Um, and like myself and a bunch of the founders were cyclists, Ironman, a uh, bunch play underwater hockey at a world's level. <laughs> um, there's a bit of a like competitive race mentality. We want to win. And, I, I, you know, I think a lot of folks are kind of like into that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's inspiring. And um, you see like, um, like trading itself, right, is also very competitive. Like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why, but people love to, like, uh, I don't know if you saw the Cope community blow up, but it's, it's a competition, right? That's a, effectively like ranking your, sure. um, your bets and stuff. And it's all a competition, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the spirit of competition is that it's fun, right? Like it's competitive. There's something at stake, but it's fun and we can all get a beer afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And come on blockchain and booze and have a drink. So let's, right. let's transition more into now NFTs. Okay. Uh, because that's the latest buzzword kind of roaming crypto Twitter. And I'm so happy that NFTs kind of had the snowball effect that they did because it introduced a whole nother level to crypto uh, culture, arts, music, uh, fashion, and, and so much more that kind of relates to that. And you see the biggest problem on Ethereum right now for newcomers is obviously the gas fees. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. And a lot of this like starving artist narrative also applies when 
using the Ethereum blockchain, you don't have money to mint and it's too expensive with the gas fees, et cetera, et cetera. How are you guys kind of thinking about NFTs at Solana? Um, because the network is fast, we wanted to, um, like the way, the way we've been like kind of bootstrapping the ecosystem is we build these reference implementations, like lending, the AMM, like things like that. Like we just churn out and other teams are just, it, it accelerates everyone else that can understand the code and then make it their own. And this is something that we're doing with NFTs as well. It's effectively, you can think of it like WordPress model um, that like, here's the code, here's the platform. You can do really cool auctions and integrations with Wormhole where NFTs can move between Ethereum and Solana. Some of the, some of these features um, you'll, well, there'll be an announcement soon from a bunch of teams that have been working on this that kind of will describe them. But uh, what this does is it allows folks that are coming into the space that want to build a product that's user facing to kind of use the, you know, do it as fast as possible. Like, okay, I want an NFT platform. I want it to be cheap. It's cheap because it's in Solana. It's fast because it's on Solana. So you don't deal with this like Ethereum style, 90 seconds waiting for confirmation thing. Um, and the people that are like the artists that are want to just do their thing can focus on their thing. Um, same thing with like any kind of financial product you really don't want to have like folks that are coming into the space from like Chicago finance to go like rebuild a bunch of infra. So if, if that stuff exists, like serum exists, they don't have to go build another central order book. And that really accelerates like the development and, and the building. Yeah. And I, I want to bring up one specific point because it's a major criticism. NFTs have kind of built up over the last few months is the effect on, on the environment. Right. And how are you guys kind of handling that type of PR, that criticism, uh, and, and and whatnot? Yeah, so proof-of-stake networks are naturally greener than uh, proof-of-work networks. Solana is a proof-of-stake network. It effect- effectively costs nothing to, to execute um, transaction on in terms of energy. I think it, it's it's worthwhile to say that the security differences are different. There's some use cases that proof of work is maybe necessary in the future, uh, but maybe not. Like maybe actually like the like what we're building will replace that. You know, but who knows? These are like new networks that are not as proven as Bitcoin, and that, that's like something that people should consider when they're thinking about like store values. It's like the gold that I keep under my mattress in case the government falls down, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Which happened to my parents growing up in the Soviet Union that like, they actually had to deal with that. So, so don't discount that. <laughs> but for financial services, price discovery, like selling NFTs, I think proof of stake is an excellent choice. It has really, really cheap energy usage and you can build much richer experiences like in this like metaverse game that we're all playing in. Amazing. So there's, there's one person that kind of knows this whole environmental issue the best. And she's actually in the waiting room right now. And I'm so excited to have her on to the extent where we got to put back our glasses because this this person, she's a dope DJ, okay? Uh, She's actually launching her, I don't know if it's her first, but launching a, a major NFT on your platform. So without further ado, let me bring on our special guest for the evening, uh, and really quick, before I even do that, I got to prepare something specific for this. All right, ready? Here we go. 
Without further ado, let's bring on the one and only Blondish. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> yo, 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 what's going on? I just wanted to fit in with you guys. I grabbed whatever I had in the office. You guys no. had drinks? Did someone, I got some vegan shoes and they, they delivered this party can margarita. So I just, that's all I got, nice. guys. Yo, cheers. Let me, cheers. Let me take works. a screenshot really quick cheers. because I'm making this into an NFT. Here we go. Boom. Nice. I love it. <laughs> Blondish, welcome to Blockchain and Booze. How are you feeling? God, I'm feeling all the emotions, being ready for this uh, this NFT launch on Thursday. Uh, you know, like, it's a lot different than launching something just in a digital marketplace. You know what I mean? You're, we're connecting the digital and physical spaces now that uh, COVID has passed in Miami. And uh, that layer of the two kind of coming together. There's so many details and execution and experimenting that needs to happen. And that's where or I'm excited about, like really tuning, you know, leaning into that. But but one thing that you're doing differently that I really admire is that you're really merging the digital with the physical. And even more so, what makes this even more, more, more special is that you're launching it on Solana, right? And you have such a deep connection to your, your I guess, the nonprofit stuff that you do and the, and the plastic collection uh, with the organization that you manage. Uh, how does that kind of tie into everything that you're doing right now with this NFT? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically, the Chakratastic series that I'm launching on Solana, um, it came, I was supposed to launch it over a month ago. But then, you know, the way, you know, I, I meditate a lot and things, you know, I just like, like really trust the universe and how it happened because I was going to launch it on a, a you know, an Ethereum layer one, two kind of uh, marketplace and it never felt right. You know what I mean? And also the first time the environmental concerns came up about NFTs and layer one solutions, everyone messages me because of my Bye Bye Plastic Initiative. Right. Um, so naturally I was searching for a solution and it kind of found me, you know what I mean? Proof of stake, uh, you know, from my knowledge and my research, I haven't done the physical testing, uh, the night, you know, it's like, it could be like 99% better. It's like negligible. And I, you know, I, uh, I talk about Solana being uh, proof of love. Actually, proof I love of love. I love that's I love that's the first time. Imagine okay. creating a proof of love. <laughs> that's we got we got to work on that afterwards there's a team that launched soul date i haven't like dug into it that if, if it's any good or not it's like a on-chain dating thing uh so don't it's not an endorsement at all but i thought it was cool because internet is supposed to be fun it's supposed to be like people sharing pictures of cats doing funny things right and like that kind of stuff should really be more interesting to people than the financial stuff that we're building, which is maybe the bread and butter, but like ultimately getting humans like kind of playing with these things, like getting more involved. I think it, it's just like more fun, like have fun. It doesn't all have to be like perpetual futures or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think Blondish, that's the beauty of also what you're doing. I'm curious to hear more about like, the creative strategy, because when you were explaining it to me, like behind the scenes, it was something like I've never really heard of before. Uh, and you're actually debuting it uh, at BTC Miami tomorrow, right? On Wednesday. It's it's launching on Thursday at the on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. On Thursday, on Thursday. That's so exciting. Okay. Tell me more about what, what it is that you're launching. What What's the, the creative journey behind that and, and the story around it? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, back to this, uh, you know, blockchain is supposed to be fun uh, narrative. Um, basically, you know, everything I do in my life, I realized through my music is to bring people more abundance and happiness. And naturally, uh, blockchain and, you know, all that tech and everything that's happening with crypto can bring us more towards that fact. Like right now, we think about, uh, you know, uh, crypto and blockchain making us money or crypto, whatever. Um, but in a few years, you know, when every everyone has their own crypto project and they're all kind of bridged together, like money won't even be a thing. You know what I mean? Also with the social tokens coming about. So I'm I'm just working on different tools for to people uh, for them to discover uh, a bit of more happiness and abundance in their life. So the Chakratastic series, which is it's an ever evolving series through the chakras. So, you know, Chakratastic 111, which is launching on Thursday, was just kind of like my first exploration of the chakras. I made all of the music in 432 hertz, which is language that ourselves understand and the it's the language of the universe. It's how everything is created. So naturally, when you listen to these pieces, it's uh, it's a feeling. It's a feeling where you just understand and your body understands it. And, and it just gives you goosebumps. It just makes sense. You know what I mean? So, I yeah, I explored uh, that with my friend. He's a 3D artist, Jordan from Known For. We paired it with uh, 3D art and platonic solids associated with the chakras. And we're doing a full-on installation with different hero pieces. I'm working with Art Plug. They do crazy shit. And um, we're, you know, presenting it in the art art world, and their the art world is receiving it very well. Like art collectors are reaching out like nuts. I've never done anything in the art world in my life, so it's uh, it's nice because it's the merging of different industries, and it's all for good. Congratulations, you, yeah, congratulations you, yeah. to you. I'm I'm very excited to see how Thursday turns out. I have no doubt that it's going to be a, a major success. And where where can people find more about it? Um, right now you can go find out on chakratastic.com, but we'll, be, I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Cause the, the launch is tomorrow. We need Shut some alpha leak. Anatoly, I need your yeah, approval for some alpha awesome. leak. I, 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 the, the, the marketing folks will kill me. They've been working <laughs> yeah, so hard on this. Say, They've been working so hard. <laughs> just check out, just check out, um, you know, go on my Instagram right now. Everything's on Twitter. All the information you can set up, uh, you know, phantom wallet. Uh, it's a fight with Solana, you know, it's not like Ethereum, you know, so you, you can't pay with it for it with Ethereum. So you got to get set up. There's a few steps there. So I started explaining that everything to, to my community. Amazing. Blondish, congratulations. Uh, I'm very, Thank very excited much. for you. And congratulations to you guys, Solana. This is going to be a really cool collab. Uh, and also, I, I look forward to seeing you perform uh, at all these crazy parties in Miami. Uh, yeah, Friday at Abracadabra. And Amazing. Cheers. Thank you again for being on. Bye. Bye-bye. Amazing. Are you excited about that? That's pretty legit. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. It, she's like all... she's a she's like one of the coolest DJs, in yeah, my opinion, sure. in my book. Yeah. I know a lot of my family was like, oh my god, Blondish is gonna be performing Miami, blah, blah, blah. Like it's it's really cool to have like more of, of that level, especially because you guys are so focused on the environment and it's like one in one. It completely aligns with her direction. So I'm excited to see how this turns out. Same. Yeah. This is like uh I think a really cool step for blockchain in general because like it's really hard to get people to under to, to like deal with cryptography. 
Like, how are you going to convince somebody to deal with storing their seed phrases and understanding any of this stuff unless there's something interesting at the other end of it? And like speculation is one of those things, but it's kind of lame. Like, <laughs> like, okay, it's not all about money, but if there's like something, a way for people to engage with art with something cool, it's just so much more interesting. And like, I think allows for much more broader adoption. And like the cool thing about crypto is that like anytime somebody onboards to cryptography, it really creates a bigger market for everybody, not just for Solana or Ethereum. It, it really grows the pie for everyone because once they understand how to use MetaMask, they'll understand how to use Phantom. Once they understand Phantom, yeah. they'll un understand MetaMask. It's just like that first step is the hard part. Um, and like when I like the tech and everything else, right, is one thing, like which blockchain you're building for, I think is is like we can get really lost in the details. But the cool thing about this is like, to me, it seems very much like internet in the 90s. I don't know if you, I, I remember that because I was a teenager. I, I don't, man. I was, <laughs> should, I, should I age myself? I was born in yeah. 97. That's, that's right. my so, thing. So. So, I, <laughs> yeah. so like you saw like in that time, the internet go from like 40 million people in 97 to about 120, 100, 200-ish sure. in like 99, 2000. Sure. And this is when, Around that like time, you saw uh, six degrees, which was like email that connected you to everyone else on the internet in six hops. I really and, don't remember that. I'm right. gonna take your and word then, for and it. Then, then Friendster, right? Then right. Uh, MySpace, then right. My, and then Facebook. Right. And there's zero chance that somebody at 97 could have told you that. Imagine you and your family sharing pictures of babies, and that's gonna be worth a trillion dollars. People are like, get out of here. That, that's just like a joke. There's no way. Internet is for deep finance and like, <laughs> like it's, research it's, it's, and, and right, all that, exactly, that right? non-sexy like, stuff for sure. So like the, this like getting 100 million people, 200 million people that understand cryptography, that's like the magic number where we'll start seeing all this like weird shit that nobody expects like actually go big. And that that's what I'm excited for. Like I think like, this financial stuff is important. Those are like the building steps and maybe the things that make money and like keep the teams running, right? Like sure. keeps, like, keep people building. But at some point we're going to hit an inflection point where everybody in the world is onboarding to cryptography and then like shit, like what can you build? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I'd be curious to see how it plays out uh, because right now crypto is honestly not really usable to the less uh, crypto native crowd, right? Yeah, uh, and it's actually quite frustrating. And honestly, I was helping someone getting get their MetaMask set up, and I sent them some ETH and showed them how to mint an NFT, how to purchase, and like from the gas fees to the initiation fee, just to connect your wallet to the <laughs> network, and like all, all like <laughs> yeah. like all of it is yeah. just like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but. I, I want to jump into DeFi because that was like a lot of what we promoted and, and a lot of where the excitement's at. Obviously, DeFi summer is is a, an iconic time in crypto. Uh, we had some of the coolest projects being birthed and it was primarily driven by Ethereum. But now the narrative is kind of shifting to a more multi-chain uh, world. We're seeing uh, projects like Solana, we're seeing projects like Tezos, we're seeing we're seeing Near Polkadot, all these different networks sort of pick up traction and develop their own micro communities and 
build what kind of is like happening on Ethereum across other chains. But I, I wanted to ask you, so the main con uh, topic that I'm kind of seeing circulate around crypto Twitter is the rise of obviously Solana and L2s like Matic making it easier, faster and cheaper to earn yields and, and interact with smart contracts. Uh, what are the like the, the key themes you kind of see take place over the next few months, assuming we have another DeFi summer? Uh, what, what are some of the like these key elements, key themes that you see kind of come together over the next few months that people um, should be looking out for? I think like the yield farming stuff is um, it's like a really interesting on like onboarding experience when it works well. I think it can really like grow your community if you like execute it at the right time. And it's really hard to know, like, you know, you have a hundred teams try 99 of them fail and one of them pulls it off. And even then it could be like, <laughs> it could go horribly wrong. There's a lot of stories about like projects that have had massive TVL that uh, like screwed something up in the execution. It, it It's, um, it, I would like for the teams that are thinking about like adding yield farming and those components, I would advise them to really like think of it as this is when I'm going to pour napalm on growth and to be really, really like bullet, like actually get to 200 users without yield farming, like actually get to like some small number that use your product, have loved it, battle tested it. And then like go pour napalm on it, like get, get to some number of, of useful things. Um, and I think what we're seeing now, like um, at least from the hackathons that we've done is the teams coming into the space have a lot more experience. They're like, like the guys building mango markets or sci options, five plus years are working in like Chicago finance, like, serious devs with like deep C++ experience working inside and out of a matching engine um, that are now coming into DeFi because it's a new way to do finance and it's really exciting to them. It has a way more growth opportunity than anything you see in TradeFi. And you see the really smart people at a TradeFi that are like still in those like early stages of their career hop sure. over. Yeah. And that's that trend is really like the fire that is uh, unstoppable. Like the more founders you have that are like really, you know, have that killer instinct to go eat, eat glass, right. That are prepared to, to work through crypto winter. They don't care. <laughs> like those, those are the people that will like figure out product market fit. They'll like, they'll get it right. So yeah. I think the NFT thing is really interesting is a trend because um, it allows bigger companies that are all afraid of crypto is disrupting them to kind of dabble their toe in, in it because it's not as um, scary as, as a token that's got like weird regulatory, nobody understands which sure. is it decentralized or not. People understand it's a work of art. I can sell it as a work of art. I can market it as a work of art. The users buying it think they're buying a work of art. And that's easier for like a, a big, you know. It registers better. Is, yeah, right. it registers it, better. The yeah. lawyers are happier about it. Like my friends get NFTs, yeah. but they still don't understand Bitcoin, right? It, it, it makes exactly. it makes a lot more sense. But more more on this DeFi topic, okay? Because we're seeing uh, also another trend that I, I particularly saw on Binance Smart Chain, okay? But I, it's happening across other networks. So 
we're seeing the projects that have successfully kind of like proved and validated themselves. I've, I've garnered billions and billions of dollars uh, in total uh, uh, volume locked right into their, into their smart contracts. Uh, and you're seeing that those projects kind of move to other networks. So one comes to mind is one inch going from Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain, right? And do you think it's critical for more of these name brands like Aave, Synthetics, Compound, these like DeFi blue chips to move onto either Polkadot, either Solana for them to kind of preserve, I guess, a stamp of approval, right? To kind of validate that this is the shit, like this is legit. Do you think it's necessary to have those name brands for it to become successful for other networks? Yeah, this is the weird thing is like we're seeing some of the effects of like all block space is fungible that the brand, because because there's no mounts in, in a place where like anybody can enter, it's cheap to enter, it's cheap to fork Ave. Sure. The brand actually becomes a really strong moat. Right. Because uh, am I going to trust some rando team that's forked Ave or am I going to trust Ave? Like, <laughs> right, I'm gonna trust yeah. Ave, right? right, right. <laughs> that, so that's why I think it's yeah. I, like, and I uh, obviously give your two cents, but I think it's critical to get that early uh, uh, adoption from these name brands. Like when Ave announced that they're integrating with Matic, right? It sparked a frenzy, kind of validating Matic as the layer two, right? Do you think it's essential for that to happen on Solana? So we had like kind of a different story which is that we're not EVM compatible. So it's harder for somebody like Ave to hop over. But we saw Radium, which is home built. They had over uh, like 1.6 TVL at some point. They partnered with Sushi where the Sushi uh, community members can earn yield farm Sushi tokens through governance on Radium and like some share in the rewards. And this is kind of a, a different story because our fundamental building block for finance is this Serum Central Limit Order book. It's just a different design space. So Aave, like you, you can't just copy and paste the Aave code and run on Matic, which is what Matic is providing a cheaper version of Aave through some, you know, you sacrifice some settlement guarantees because you're going through a bridge, you're taking additional risk, but you're reducing fees and their community can make sense of that decision and go do it. Um, rebuilding a borrow lending on top of serum is like its own set of innovation and like kind of like you have to have a team that's doing it. and there's like three different teams that are doing that right now like jet and everland and a couple others mango is in effect like using borrow lending on top of serum um those are their own homegrown teams i think it's going to be interesting to see if they will partner with somebody like ave later on like not this is not an alpha leak. This is just like something that I think could happen because the crypto community, it's not like everyone on Aave is not in a Solana, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the same people, right? They're all aware of us and they sure. think some of them think Solana's cool. Some of them could be ETH maxis, but it's not like us versus them. Sure. And the people there that are like, oh, dude, Mango Markets is like really cool. Why don't we partner with them and figure out how to like move TVL and combine efforts because it's a different product that just kind of takes a bit more time, but we saw that play out really well with the sushi radium proposal. Um, and that's like, 
weird. It's totally different from traditional BD because it's governance and communities coming together. A lot of these folks are in both communities and this is where that intersection happens. And this is where like the, the love comes from. Like we're all in the same boat. <laughs> the proof of love. I'm yeah, forever exactly. using that. The proof of love. Exactly. <laughs> it's it, it, like, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, like, it, and cool, right? Like, and I'm, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, I'm very happy for Matic, right? Like, I think it, it's got a totally different vision than what we're doing. Um, great to see them succeed and like build out a cheaper, faster EVM. Why not? Like why that's, sh that totally should exist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess everyone's just placing bets here. No one, no one really knows what's going to happen. I think at the end of the day, whoever makes it easiest to use uh, will win. Whoever limits those barriers to entry uh, and it makes it cheap. <laughs> I could, I could be wrong. I, I'm thinking, you know where I'm thinking about it from? I'm thinking about it from my, my, my friend's perspective who, are not in crypto 24-7. They understand Bitcoin. They might be trading it on Robinhood. They maybe just opened a Coinbase account. They probably trickled with shit coins and meme coins and saw the rise of NFTs from their top influencers. And, you know, like they're seeing all that stuff and they're approaching it from the perspective, but like, wait, how do I get involved? And I think that's where like my, my rationale comes from. Uh, I want to jump because we only have so much more time. And there's a couple of questions from the audience that I want to ask you and two more questions on my end. Okay. So another trend that I'm seeing that a lot of people aren't really talking about is uh, creator DAOs and social tokens. And I think it's an undertapped opportunity that I'm personally super excited about uh, and, and see it as a true, true vehicle for mass adoption. Reason being that these influencers, these creators, these musicians, uh, they're people who've amassed thousands to millions of followers on these Web 2.5 platforms. Uh, and if they tokenize their community and they provide next level access, they provide a, a share of ownership, whatever you want to call it, it's actually the purest level of influencer marketing for these networks, right? Saying, I just launched my token. You can go buy it on Solana versus ETH versus any of these other protocols at, at these networks. What are you guys doing at Solana to kind of capture that traffic one and help empower creators? So you could, um, I don't know if you've seen Cope, that community, Cyril, he's like kind of a um, one man machine that can, that like builds amazing things. Um, that was built from the ground up. Uh, and it, it's already pretty trivial to launch a token on Solana. There's some JavaScript, you like, it takes like pennies to do it. Um, so he was able to kind of kickstart his community and distribute like 40 to 50,000 tokens like uh, 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 to his followers. Um, and it doesn't cost that much more to do it to a million users. It's going to cost you like a couple bucks. So. All good. Sorry. All good. Yeah, no no worries. Yeah. So, so this is like something that I think well, I want to be careful that this stuff doesn't seem like an influencer dumping on their community, right? That, that to me, like really hurts the whole space. Like what I really want to see is like somebody that's from one sec. Gotta, gotta, no worries. Do your thing. Daddy duty first, man. Daddy duty first. Part of life. Do your thing. Like, where the stuff, where the stuff is bad is somebody that's like, I want to like squeeze out dollars from my community. Right. right. And like create a token and dump it on their users. I think this stuff is awesome okay. if you have somebody that's like empowering their community, like, and is actually like 
giving them something cool to like participate together. Like, I don't, I don't know where that, where that switch happens, but it's obvious in retrospect, right? Like some of the stuff that we saw with like safe moon, like made me want to barf. Yeah. (laughs) Some of the, like cope is awesome. Like that was just one guy and his friends that like, 40,000 like in his community that he was like building for mm-hmm. um, and that that kind of success to me is really cool to see and the tools are already there to enable it we want to build a few more things uh, there's governance uh, standard implementation that's coming out that let you do some more controls and like program upgrades comp style kind of governance um, the the nft standards that we're releasing that those are totally usable by these platforms uh, it'd be interesting to kind of like tie it all together into like, here's like a, a Reddit demo where you spin up a community and there's a token sure. for it and fans and stuff like that. Um, sure. And this is something that uh, internally, this has been our approach to um, to just building out these reference products for creators to go do their thing. Um, like the NFT thing in Blondish, like we really like, here's to spec what you want as like a thing and like you can easily customize it and you don't even need us to customize it. That that's really kind of like where, where we see a lot of wins, but yeah. I don't want to be too prescriptive about how this stuff sure. should play out. You know? Sure. So no, sure. Make, makes sense. Uh, final question for my end before I hit you with, with uh, two last questions from the audience. Okay. Uh, and let me know if you have to go because daddy duty is way more important than blockchain and booze for sure. <laughs> um, but, but I'll, I'll hit you with this and you kind of touched upon this early on. So we had web 1.0, it's a read only type of environment. We saw the transition to web 2.0 and now we're at 2.5. We had platforms like Facebook, YouTube that brought people together. Right. And nobody, like you said, could have imagined that web 2.0 would come around and eat web 1.0. Right. And just like now, nobody could really have imagined that Web 3.0 that's kind of forming would essentially kind of merge and eat Web 2.5, Web 2.0. What do you see eating Web 3.0? We're not even scratching the surface of what what Web 3.0 can accomplish. For sure. Really, like what what happened during DeFi summer, right? You had maybe 20, 30,000 people, right, come together around like a YAM token and create massive volumes and price movement at a global scale. Imagine instead of 30,000 people, it's 3 million or 30 million, right? Like, and that's a tiny fraction of the world. So go for it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So like, but we're not like, we're not even there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I can't comprehend. Imagine like literally 30,000, uh, 30 million people participating in, in like a thing like a governance token. How yeah. crazy would that be? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not even there uh, yet. We're not even yeah. there yet. No, um, I, I, I hear you. And it's a question I ask everyone because I always like to hear everyone's perspective on what they kind of imagine. Right. But look, I think that's a perfect place to end off. What is that? Oh, nice. <laughs> Amazing. You don't know your Pokemon? Come on, uh, dude. Dude, I'm not. I'm, my brother is a Pokemon fan. He collected all the cards. He was hardcore at that. I, I'm not, this but... A, this uh, this is an Eevee evolution. I don't remember which one. And this is a Jigglypuff. But, oh, I know dude, Jigglypuff. I know yeah, Jigglypuff. Everyone, dude, I know. Yeah, everyone loves Jigglypuff. <laughs> I know, I know. Do we do we have time for one more question? I want. Yeah, I want. I know yeah. you're on daddy duty, so I okay. want to be respectful of that. Um, okay, so I, I want to jump into the audience really quick. So, 
Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, Who's my favorite Pokemon? Snorlax, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I want to find you a good question. Um, okay, so this one comes from Brian Hondorp. Okay. What are the real trade offs between a highly secure chain like ETH and Soul? I know speed and cost are advertised, but surely uh, they are compromised, no? What, what will come in what? Sorry, what was the, the first bit? He said, so what are the real trade-offs between a highly secure chain like yeah. ETH uh, and Sol? So Solana is, uh, for, for Byzantine fault-tolerant networks, um, the core consensus security on Solana is actually higher because we can have this much larger group of nodes actively participating in consensus. So we don't cheat by creating subcommittees or shards. It's actually a much, much bigger network in that sense, in, in participating consensus. And ETH, ETH1, there's about three mining pools that add up to 51%, and Bitcoin, it's, 50, it's six. And that concentration in consensus is a very one, one slice, one dimension of decentralization. It's not a whole picture. It's a very one-dimensional slice, but it's important for price discovery. For this idea of fair and open markets where nobody can mess with the states as it's mutating, right? Nobody can mess with the order flow, which is different than the idea of Satoshi sleeping like easy at night because nobody can steal his Bitcoin even sure. if the network is corrupted. Sure. So there's very, like Pareto efficiency is like one of this topic in, in uh that I'm sure you have folks have heard of in, in crypto. It means that there is trade-offs. Um, the trade-offs for Solana, because we're so focused on this, maximize that number of nodes and consensus, like it is more expensive to run. It, it requires more hardware and therefore the validators are more expensive. Mm -hmm. And this is a direction that's quite different from ETH2. Uh, ETH2 is based around the cheapest possible validator you can run. But the trade-off with that approach is that you see the staking pool concentration on ETH2. It takes three my, three entities right now, Kraken, Binance, and Coinbase, to add up to 33% of the ETH2 stakers. So those three can halt the network. They can mess with order flow. Sure, the rest of this community can slash them and deal with them. But when you're talking about an order sending into this central limit order book or payment that, need, that needs to complete within like 400 milliseconds, you don't really care about user activated softworks that's going to take time to dispute and resolve through yeah. a long yeah. social governance process. What you care about is what is the minimum set of entities that can mess with the system state right now. And this is what we're optimizing for. So these trade-offs around security, even that word security, it's you have to really be specific about what you're talking about. So in some sense, Solana is more secure uh, because we maximize that set. Um, in other ways, because validators cost more to run, there's less smaller hobbyists that can run it at home at the cheapest possible way. And that that is a, the big picture is hard to quantify. Um, so folks should really think of this as there's probably going to be a couple use cases that are really good on certain chains because it's all cryptography. It's easy to bridge all the assets trade on serum. Like most of them are, are coming from Ethereum and a big pile of them are Bitcoin. It's cryptography allows that to happen. 
So all these networks, it's a bunch of work and pain in the ass to bridge them, but it's because it's software and cryptography, there's engineers that'll do it. And the rest is really like community ideal kind of like trade-offs for use cases. We'll see what happens, right? That that's kind of up in the air. Amazing. I think that's a perfect place to leave off. Anatoly, <laughs> okay. you're you're the man. Thank you for being on. My eyes melted. I'm in Miami. It's so humid here that nothing can stay frozen. But hey, I appreciate you being on. I think your daughter is the youngest guest I've had on blockchain and booze. Yeah. And <laughs> and let's, I, let's I, drink. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold you to that. Uh what a what a great session. Uh, really quick, guys, for everybody that's watching on Lunar Crush, go to meet.blockchainbooze.io. Uh, we're going to transition really quick into the networking session. But before we do, I'm going to let you go, uh, Anatoly. I hope to see you in Miami. Uh, and I hope to have you on again when Solana's bigger and doing really more, more and more cool stuff. You're always welcome for on sure. the show. Thank you so much. This <laughs> we'll, was see great. You. we'll chat soon. See you later. Yeah. Guys, yeah. for everyone that's tuning in again on uh, on Twitter, right now we're transitioning to the networking session. My personally, uh, personally, my favorite part of the whole entire segment uh, when you go to meet.blockchainbooze.io, you'll be taken to Remo. And in Remo, you can turn on your mic and your camera and you can kind of interact with everybody that's been watching live. And you'll be surprised how many people are actually drinking. I know it's a shocker. But uh, meet.blockchainbooze.io, meet.blockchainbooze.io. And quick shout out to Lunar Crush. Shout out to Lunar Crush for live streaming this. Uh, and shout out to Blockchain Radio. Uh, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next week. Meet.blockchainblues.io. Meet.blockchainblues.io. See you next week. This has been a production of Industry Pods in association with Evergreen Podcasts Network. Hear this and other industry pods at evergreenpodcasts.com, your favorite podcast app, or listen at industrypods.com for your number one virtual conference podcast experience.